What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's that time of the day, that time of the week, that time of the month. Yeah, it is. You're listening to The Good, The Band, The Ugly. I'm Big Papa. And I'm Jeff. Jeff Jeff on a remote, remote, remote. So as as uh, I'm sure a bunch of you know that the Syracuse area is not experiencing a great weather event right now. <laughs> I keep oh, looking over. Now. I keep looking over like you're right yeah. here. Hey, I'm not doing. Yeah, I know. I know. I can tell. <laughs> uh, how you doing, brother? Good man. How are you? Good. I'm glad you're home safe in this inclement weather. Now you got got back there. Uh, yeah. But there's no way you were gonna, good. There's no way you were going to miss this show. No, not we, one bit. We've been waiting for this show for well, basically since we started this version of the podcast. Uh, yeah, for a while now. So yeah, for sure. You know, I'm not even. All I'm going to say is the next gentleman that's going to be coming on here for the show. Um, geez, he, there's he has such a resume that we're just going to let him talk it, about it. It's huge. Huge. It's huge. And we've been very excited to have him on. So without further ado, let's bring on Mr. Billy Sheehan. Okay. That's like, I can hear that. And there he is. There he is. There he is. We we are so happy to have you here, Billy. It's my Uh, pleasure. It it is incredible. Thank you so much. Your your resume. Well, first of all, as, as people know, we try to get as many people from New York and upstate New York on the show, uh, Billy being from Buffalo originally, um, not there now. Thank goodness for your, you know, living someplace with better climate, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but your, <laughs> but your resume, I mean, my God, Talis and working with Steve Vai and David Lee Roth and, and, you know, Mr. Big is just, it's, it's killing it again at the tours. And I see that you're selling out like crazy all over the place. Winery it's dogs just just as well. What a whirlwind! I mean, that's yeah, just incredible. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I've had a good run, and um, I'm very grateful. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't think people realize, it, you know, and Billy, I I know that everybody probably goes through the same old fact sheet about you looking at the Wikipedia and all that crap. But you know, anytime anything you've ever played, I've listened to just the way you play it, and it doesn't matter the genre of music because I've heard your self self named album, and I mean cuts like, um, oh God, elbow grease, and then turn it around with something like tossing in the fire from the other album. I mean, there's just such versatile uh, writing there. But man, your bass playing is just. I know people have compared it to like the Eddie Van Halen of bass because of the two-handed way you play and everything, but it's just, it's just incredible. And, and. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's been a, it's been a good run. I've uh, I I grew up in a time when uh, we listened to everything. So uh, I was never stuck in one genre pretty much. So I basically hard rock is my thing. I've drifted over into fusion and jazz and prog and and uh, I even produced a, a, a songwriter here in Nashville that's a, a little bit countrified. So really? <laughs> I, I drifted oh. over there. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going country. No, <laughs> no so he's stepping into the country world, are we? It's not my thing. 
I mean, I like old school, you know, like Conway Twitty or Johnny Cash, you know, some of the really old guys. But uh, uh, it's not my thing. What do, what do you think about the, yeah. cr- the you know, we've had over the course of even even the heavier stuff, the crossover between bands like, um, like Anthrax doing some uh, rap uh, infusion with metal back in the day. Um, but now we're seeing country mixing with some heavy stuff um what, what do you think about i mean are you, are you into that aspect of it at all or uh, well i don't i don't get a chance to listen to a lot of stuff uh uh i'm usually working on something i'm in my studio here now today we recorded all day for a client and uh uh when I do listen to stuff, I use, it's mostly classical music, so I don't I don't really pay attention to a lot of the scene. Right. Uh, once in a while, something will catch my ear, maybe, but I I I, I it takes a lot of time, and, and a lot of people would assume that uh, you know I would sit down with the new whatever band record and get excited about it. And I did in the '60s and '70s. Right. And maybe right. <laughs> Or the, or the early '80s, but it's just just as you as you get older, I, I, I if I listen to something, I'll put on uh, I don't know Sinatra or the Everly Brothers or we we okay. had a we, we got to we had a the crew guys on a bus uh, a European uh, tour with the Winery Dogs, and we uh, started playing a whole bunch of more recent things. Well, and even that is pretty old, like uh, 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 Screaming for Vengeance, Judas Priest, except oh, sure. it's like that. And uh, but even that now is, is is pretty old music. It's not really right. anything new. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's and I I have a huge collection of music. I got a uh, over two terabytes of uh, my iTunes collection. And it's it's well uh, uh, taken care of. All the album cover arts in the right place, and all the song titles are correct. And it's a uh, uh, it's quite a endeavor. I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours on it, finding <laughs> the, the best stuff and finding the things I love and discovering things that are impossible. And it has two uh, two kind of uh, ways of pendulum swings. The most amazing music you you could ever imagine that you've never heard of before and some of the absolute worst music known to mankind and both have their charm to them if you will sure and so so uh but yeah i don't i don't listen to i'm not a i'm not a country i god bless them the country folks they're, they're going great and the national is booming yeah, yeah. it's uh, quite great There's a lot of rock guys here now though i think billy gibbons bought a place here recently and uh Tom Peterson from Cheap Trick and uh, a couple of I think Tom Keeper from Cinderella. Yeah, he's here too. Yep. So, uh, so it's uh, a lot of rock guys are here, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's cool. But it's it's not that's not really my thing. Yeah, I try to not say that too much. I don't, I don't <laughs> upset them, but you know, it's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we found that uh, so many people nowadays um, are trying to really have a well-rounded ear you know uh jeff and i've been musicians ourselves for years and you know when i was younger it was like i grew up on cream and and uh 
Sabbath and Zeppelin and Chicago and just a little bit of everything. Um, and listening to listening to guys like Hank Williams Jr. and and Conway Twitty and Johnny Cash, as you mentioned, uh, from my father, listen to that. And then my mother would be turning around, listen to America and whatever else. So uh, Santana and all that. So it was like just a little bit of everything that I that I grew up. To. And then when I started playing, it was the early 80s um, that I started playing out and listening to like pigeonholing myself into you can't listen to anything but heavy, you know, and and. And and then when the other stuff was coming out, I was like, no, you know, can't listen to that. That's that's you know that's poser this or that's this and that. And just let myself go down that path. And I find myself being older now, listening to going back and saying, man, I really like a lot of blues and jazz and fusion and all this other stuff. And I'm like, this this is really this is good stuff. And why haven't I been listening to it? I think um, I've mentioned on the show, B.B. King opened my eyes. I went and saw a show with B.B. years ago, and I was just like, "Where this guy's been around my whole life, and why have I not been listening to this guy, too? Because he was just such a great entertainer and and uh, storyteller that, that just made me open my eyes to more and more. But I could never get into the real heavy country. I couldn't get into country um, at all until recently when I heard some of the heavier stuff uh, we had a guy by the name of Jason Charles Miller on the show and his band is doing a, it's not like country rock like years ago. It's like country metal. So it's kind of, kind of different. If you ever get a chance, who knows, give it a listen. Um, you know, we're directing you to listen, <laughs> try something new for a change, right? I know. What are you, on your mind? <laughs> so, however, um, I, I, well, I'm going to jump right into this because and about, I want to say about three months ago, I came across a gentleman. It came across my feed on Facebook, and it was, and I'm hoping I'm saying his name correctly, is uh, Anthony Gomes, or is it yeah. Gomez? I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, what was it like working with him? Oh, uh, great! He's a great player, a great uh, songwriter, and uh, Ray Lugier is a dear friend of mine. He lives here too. He's a Amazing drummer, plays with Corn now, and we've been friends for years. So, uh, yeah, we, we enjoyed uh, uh, laying out tracks for him. I played, during the pandemic, I did oh, maybe 300 tracks I recorded wow. for clients around the world. And uh, But he was, he was, of course, a standout. He's a pro guy. I, I mean, I've played on all kinds of people's records, every style you could imagine. Uh, it was, it right. was a, quite a learning experience, but uh, yeah, Anthony was a—he's a great player, and uh, uh, I think he opened up for a, a couple of shows we did. And I just remember him just doing great, and people loving his band. It was pretty cool. It was, it was the first song I heard was "Painted Horses," and I went, "Holy cow!" <laughs> that was, and then I saw the video with you in it, and I'm like, "Really?" That was, that was pretty. It was pretty cool. It's fun. Yeah, uh, like I said, I've done uh, three, maybe maybe more, maybe four. And at one point, we thought it was six hundred, but we recounted, and it wasn't quite six hundred tracks. <laughs> people all over, entire records, and then single songs for people all over. They just randomly would write to me, uh, email me, and say, "Hey, can you play on my track?" And I learned right away. <laughs> I had to, I did to tell people I got to hear the song first. 
Because mm-hmm. a couple of okay. times I'd say yes, and I'd get the song, and it would be a mess. And it would re- really be tough to record because it wasn't together. So mm-hmm. we made one condition that I got to hear it. There was, and through all that, there was only one artist I didn't didn't want to do it. It just wasn't. Right. Uh, but everyone else, if they didn't have it together, I could explain to them what they need to do, and they could do that and uh, and come back to me. But all kinds of stuff too from uh, uh, well and the. the, the entire spectrum of uh, musical tastes. Uh, it's a great <laughs> sure. experience because we, uh, one thing we, we learned from it, my engineer Scott uh, li- uh, lives here in Nashville as well. Uh, we'd hear a song with no bass and it's not because it didn't have bass, but the just song didn't sound together. And right. we'd look at each other and go, man, what are we going to do here? I'm not sure. And sometimes they give you a guide bass to show you what they kind of want. And that helped a lot, but sometimes they didn't. So they just got to make something up and insert it into a song that's already has drums and guitars and vocals. So it was a, an amazing transition. And again, it's not because of me and my bass plan, but just the bass in general, when done properly, I hope, uh, in, in, in a song, what a huge difference it can make. And uh, uh, I would never be... Uh, self-aggrandizing because I happen to be a bass player, but it's just the, the, huh. to really uh, see the importance of the instrument uh, in making a song work and uh, or taking a song that is questionable and turning it into something that uh, much better. So it was it was quite an interesting uh, process to see. And uh, we, we got to, I got to meet a lot of people online in, in this way and a lot of great artists and great players. So, it was, a, it was a great experience, and, and Anthony certainly was a high point. Do you cool. do you find yourself? Um, yeah, I've been a drummer for thirty years. Uh, nice transition to, to frontman and singer, but I always found that there was if if there was a drummer or a bass player that I was just like, this guy knows where I'm going. I know where he's going. We're in the pocket together. Do you find yourself, you know, hey, if I can bring my my drummer with me on whatever project I I want to do that. Um, do you kind of sway it that way? Cause I know you work a lot with Mike uh, Partnoy and, and he's just, my God, you know, he, he is, he is right there in sync with you when you're playing. Cause he's not another phenomenal player. Well, that's, that's, that's my thing. I learned it early on before I even owned the bass. Uh, the guy who initially inspired me, Joe Hesse, Played with a Buffalo band called The Road. Uh, they were, uh, I think they they only lasted into the into the seventies, I think. But he was a great bass player. He lived around the corner from me, and I went over to his house as a little kid. Normally, they wouldn't let me in the house because I had to sit on the driveway and listen because I was a little tiny kid, and they were all, <laughs> you know, older teenagers. But he let me come in one time, and he was and he was practicing, and it was just him and the drummer. Mm-hmm. I said, Joe, where's the where's the rest of the band? He goes. Oh, they'll be back later, but I practice with the drummer so I can hear what he does. When he hits a bass drum, I got to hit a bass note. And uh, that's how that's how bass works. So mm-hmm. before I even owned a bass, I, I found out the single most important aspect of ensemble playing as a bass player is you, you play with the drummer. A drummer drives the band. Uh, you follow what, what he does. So <laughs> I do that with every player I play with. With uh, uh, I've been lucky to play with some really great drummers. Uh, Dennis Chambers is a standout. He's just uh, probably the greatest musician I know uh, on any instrument. 
and uh, you, you you adjust to some degree with every drummer, but uh, uh, he was a, a real uh, uh, revelation to me because I play with mostly straight up uh, rock two four drummers, right? Some fusion guys. Mark Miller from Talos, he's an amazing. He can do anything, but uh, but Dennis had a, a feel and a groove that I had never worked with before, and he really uh, made some big changes with me. To I had to follow that. I had to lock into him, and so I had to really know what I was doing to do that. And we we played a lot of tours together and did a lot of records with Niacin together. And he was quite a standout uh, as far as drummers go. But yeah, I'm I'm all about the drums. That's what I that's what I watch. Do you find at. Do you find yourself being reinvigorated when uh, when you have to play with somebody or or starting to play with somebody? You have to like relearn their their groove. Uh, it's pretty. It's a pretty easy process for me now because I've done it so much and for so long. I can usually tell exactly what's going on with a drummer. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I go to see a band, I usually watch the drummer first, and I'm either in at about thirty to 40 seconds literally you i can i can tell whether i'm going to stay or not the drummer has <laughs> together and i'll say okay let's, let's take a look but it, it's pretty easy to tell uh, right away uh, with all musicians really uh, actually uh, i've i've learned through the years i can usually tell how good a player is by speaking to him for about a, a minute a half a minute to 45 seconds right oh wow and, oddly and uh, I remember for years, you know, I've guys come up and tell me this and tell me that. And I, I know, and I'm saying, yeah, great, that's cool. And in my mind, I'm going, I, I, I know, I know, this guy does not have what I'm looking for. Right. The opposite worked one time too. I, I met this guy years ago at Gentleman Jim's in, um, oh, it's a college town in in uh, New York State. I'll I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, and he uh, just was talking to me after a show, a Talos show, years and years and years ago. And right away, I know this guy was dangerous. And they said, this guy's going to be trouble. <laughs> He's amazing. Turned out, his name was Chris Vorse. And uh, he had his PhD in analytical philosophy. Oh. And oh. Uh, I was at his house one time. I'd open up a book about this thick and randomly read a sentence. And he goes, that sounds like Thomas Aquinas. And I go, yeah, it is a chapter on Thomas Aquinas. So... Uh, he really was a, a lot of people go to school and they have the thing on the wall, but they, they really didn't affect them as it should have. Right. This guy was very, very well educated. And he was just a genius uh, player. He, he, he taught me about the modes and uh, taught me about aspects of music that I had no idea and uh, learned a lot from him. So it goes both ways. You can usually tell how good a player is. And I've talked to other guys that have been around for, you know, like myself, uh, nearing over half a century <laughs> and uh they, they a lot of people have that same kind of point of view you can tell right away uh just almost by someone how someone carries themselves whether they're going to be a uh what they're playing is about interestingly right. enough and not in a negative right. way necessarily i'm not trying to you know be negative towards it but sometimes you have to separate the wheat from the chaff when you're looking for a good player and, and uh, right away sometimes you can tell i i think um I've been influenced by a lot of people, and one of one of the guys that really just moved me was uh, we had Rick Latham on, and Rick is just so versatile and such. And and I remember growing up taking 
music and music theory and, and percussion. And one of the syncopation books that I used was one of Rick's books. So when he was on the show, I was like, I got Rick Latham, the guy I used to read these books in school. And, and you know, that's how I learned to play and read music was through Rick Latham. And uh, I, I think that you can tell the people that have the passion and just just get it. And uh, they're not being just blowhards. <laughs> they're, 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 yeah, that's for sure. You know, they put their arms around their 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 craft. So, and and yeah. I, and I think that's why when when we look at the guests that we've had on the show, I mean, you've you've definitely made your mark and really have had people influence, uh, be influenced by yourself. Some big, some of the bigger names that are out there. So, you know, I'm sure you you get a lot of people throwing you praise, but. It's duly, duly worth it. Um, it's just phenomenal. Some of the stuff you've done, sure. you know, and right on. And I know that even Jeff, being a guitar player, you you can you can respect a lot of the the, the different ways. I mean, you're you're blazing your own path. Well, for sure, because if you think about it, the way he plays with Paul Gilbert is just phenomenal. I mean the the um, the solo, in fact, in um, Daddy, Brother, Lover, Little Boy, that the way you guys did that was just fantastic. And it's, it's almost harmonized, or it is harmonized, I should say, but I thought it was a fantastic. The whole album is fantastic, for one. Thanks very much. He, he also breaks the mold um, with not sitting still on stage. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, in case somebody throws something, they'll miss. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, even better. We, we've had we've had a uh, somebody out there with a, with a sniper rifle. God that's right. <laughs> well, I'm gonna find them. Sidewinder. I'm gonna find them. Serpentine, serpentine. <laughs> yeah, we've had we've had uh, some of the uh, iconic uh, what we called oil can moments where we've had the, the the bass player that didn't move at all, and I'm like, when we watch you, I'm like, see, this is why even a three piece works because. Billy's running around and he's, you know, engaging compared to not. Yeah, and it's never, it's never uh, calculated what happens. But one thing that's been bothering me, <clears throat> pardon me, lately is uh, people talking about, yeah, you got to make the face. I go, no, if you're making a face, you miss the whole point of all music <laughs> and everything anyone has ever done ever. You don't <laughs> ever, I never make a face. Right. Uh, and, but you see a picture of me making a face. So I'm not making the face. The face happens when you're lifting, uh, trying to bench press 250 pounds, and your face. Are you are you are you thinking what, what face should I make as I'm pushing this? <laughs> you don't think. If you hear a joke, you don't think. Hmm, that was funny. How should I laugh? <laughs> ha ha ha. Oh, right. oh, or he he. Let me think about that for a minute. It's not how it works. And you see people talking about having to make a face. Yeah. We're instantly eliminated from. From my uh, my iTunes, right? <laughs> That's for sure, right? It's just not. Yeah, so it's it's funny. So yeah, way back in the early days, you know, I, I just I just do what I do. I, I, it's no thought involved in it. It's funny in uh, the rehearsals places in Japan. I've had the opportunity to be in a couple for certain situations, and each each rehearsal place pretty much has a wall that is a mirror, so the band okay. can see themselves on stage and there and I thought, Oh, you're missing the point completely. Yeah. That's, that's right. what you're... 
you know, so uh, it's a funny thing. Well, you have to you have to be moved by what you're playing and, and just let it let it come organically. Um, exactly. And and I've always said with any bass player, any drummer in the bands that I've been in, if I was the singer, I, I don't expect you to have to play note for note the the solos, the the drum hits, the any feel it. And if you guys are jiving, I don't care if the album does this or that. Play it how your your heart's telling you to play, within yeah, within it, a boundary. Get unrecognizable. It, it, people right. came when people come to here to be with you with Mister Big. We, I play pretty much how I played it on the record. Right, that's what they want to hear. But there's there's a, there's times to improvise as well. We do a lot of that in the Winery Dogs, and I've done that a lot in uh, Niacin, and you know we. And when you're, it's a, it's a Thursday night in some club uh, back in the days. And there's a, uh, a table with four people at it and one waitress. And some improvising will probably take place. <laughs> how long, how long has it been since you've had a night like that though? Well, probably not since the mid seventies, I think. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we we know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, it, it's okay. I, I we played a show one time. I think it was in Rhode Island, back in the Dallas days, and uh, there was one table, literally, of guys, and there was uh, four or five of them, and we played. We went on, did did the whole, did everything we normally do, yeah. and uh, through the years, I've run into every one of those guys. I'm on Sunset. Oh, really? And a guy comes up, hey, you play this club in Rhode Island. I go, yeah, there's a thing. Go, yeah, we were there. I can't believe it. And then uh, some other place in some American, yeah, and I go, I ran into one of the other guys. It was unbelievable. So through the years, I've actually run into all four. And they had a riot. They loved the show, and they had a great time, and they were so happy that we were – we didn't care whether there was four people there or 40,000. And that, right. that was so – that was – you, you kind of have to be in that state of mind to, to really I – th- I think doing that – opens the door to you playing for 40,000 people because that's a, a necessary thing. You know, you can't, you can't judge, uh, you can't judge by the size of the audience, how sincere you're going to be. Right. And that's, right. That's, that's a big mistake. Jeff, Jeff, what was uh blue oyster cult when they, when they came out as a different tester name that, um, uh, fat white underbelly. Yeah. So, they booked they booked that show here that time, and I ended up going to see who was playing at the Lost that night. And I'm like, "That's freaking Blue Oyster Cult up there." There's like 11 people in the bar, and they just didn't. <laughs> nobody got the. I was like, "Why is this happening?" But it, it happens. Yeah, uh, I went to see. Uh, well, you two opened up for Talus one time. Nice. And uh, a lot of people didn't believe us later on. And as usual, the rumor changed through the years that uh, all kinds of crazy uh, uh, extra things got thrown in. But we, we were playing at a club in Buffalo owned by the promoter. Uh, and he would bring in uh, national acts as our opening act mm-hmm. because we, we did Monday night and it was always packed. So to put the band in front of people, it was good for them. So you uh, two opened up for, for Talos. And afterwards, we got done, and there's a little note from The Edge in the dressing room written on as a, 
the envelope for his string, you know, uh, thanks for having us sign the edge. And there was a girl there who was a big fan of it, so I gave it to her. And I didn't think much of it then, but then uh, as the years went by, they played in Rich Stadium, where the Bills play, sold out. You know, they're huge now, and they're the biggest band in the world. And, right. And somebody recorded that show and sent it to me. So after they finished the song, uh, Bono starts singing uh, a Beatles song, just into the mic, just kind of ad-libbing. Sure. He said, you remember that because he played in Buffalo the night John Lennon was killed, because that was the night John Lennon was, was killed. After oh, wow. after you two left, we were going to go do two, two sets. We did one set, took a break, and found out about it. Mm. And then we went back on stage without saying a thing and just played Beatles songs all night long. And we could see through the crowd as people understood what happened that night, yeah. why we were doing that. It was a very emotional night. So... uh so he said over the mic at Rich Stadium, yeah, I remember we played in Buffalo that night. And he goes, and we were amazed because there was people there because they were playing to very small crowds. They were just new. He goes, we were amazed because there's people there. And he goes, probably because we were opening up for a band called Talus. And you could hear all the jaws collectively drop out of the 80,000 people <laughs> in Rich Stadium. Awesome. Because they'd heard that rumor for years, but nobody thought it was really true. So I got Bono uh, on stage announcements in my iTunes uh, Explaining to people that's that great. Dallas, pretty well, funny. You just they were, they were great then too. They were really a great band, and they got all of the success they deserved. That's for sure. Well, he owes yes. he owes you though. So you know, just go out to Vegas to the Sphere, and uh, you know, you guys share a stage with you two again. And <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if they allow that. <laughs> <laughs> uh does Billy? Billy, I got to ask you. What was it like working with Bumblefoot? Um, because everything I've ever seen him, he's a little, he's a different character. Let's put it that way. Uh, he's a great player, great singer, nice guy. Uh, really? Very creative, creative person. He knows all the Talos songs, too. He came up in the, with uh, the Talos, we call it version two. It's actually version nine with Phil Narrow singing <laughs> and Mark Miller on drums. He came up and did a couple songs. So we played in New York City. Uh four years ago i think it was and uh, he knew all the talus songs so when we at soundcheck, oh, wow. at soundcheck he'd be start he'd start doing a talus song and hey i recognize that so, <laughs> so did you break did you break into one during sons of apollo say again did you break into a, a few talus songs during sons of apollo no no because that's those songs in that band were were complicated and required there wasn't a lot of jamming going on it was a yeah, okay. to play play the script pretty much to play those songs. A lot they were written, they were complicated pieces, so it was important to uh, stick to the uh, stick to the uh, the uh, recipe uh, and, rather and, than improvise. And they're and they're fantastic songs. I mean, I've heard all you know every album so far. You know, I'm hoping there's at least a few more in you. But we shall see. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I know exactly what you're saying, so yes. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff is our uh, our oh, historian. You know, I don't know if you've read some other meaning in that. I just don't. I just don't know uh, what the feature of that particular band is. Right. Billy, what's what's one of the the most memorable places you've played in your in your tenure, more fifty, forty, thirty year? Uh, it's, it's been a lot of amazing places. We played in, uh, uh, 
Kobe, Japan, I think it was, a little a little club, which is was unusual for us. We did it as a, like a special gig for some event. And it was right after the uh, Kobe earthquake. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people lost their lives. And uh, so I didn't know if it was a tradition in Japan or not. But uh, we said, should we, we, before we went on stage, was, should we do it like a moment of silence? Right. You know, for the, they said, yeah, that, that might be a good idea. Okay. So we did, did a couple songs and we stopped for a minute and say, we like to blah, blah, blah. We did a moment of silence. It was silent. Absolutely. Very touching. Very touching. Very yeah. silent. Quite, quite amazing. I'm not sure what that gentleman's doing on the screen down there. But... Yeah, I don't know what you're doing either, Jared, Jeff. <laughs> I, don't I don't either. Okay. <laughs> wow, that, that was weird. So anyway, I kind of lost the uh, spirit of that question there, so maybe maybe ask another one. <laughs> I, wasn't yeah. sure. I wasn't sure what that was. What's that's all about. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he dropped his phone or something on the, on the ground. So, um, The spirit of, 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 of tennis touching the same thing, I mean – You've played with so many different. Is there any one one band that you said you didn't know you were going to do the project? Then when you did, you were just like, "Wow, this has just been so much fun, and and such a great project." I mean, yeah. Well, usually I know going in what uh, how it's gonna how it's gonna go. And uh, wow, uh, can he hear us? Yep, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're we, we're not used to doing rem- uh, Jeff being remote, so he's probably got some issues going on over there. You okay, okay. Jeff? We're we're fixed. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I I had asked uh, Jeff, I had asked um, if if there was any one particular project that just wowed him, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's it's a little different when you're in the band. You know, we're throwing the party, so we're not enjoying the party. <laughs> So people will look at it from the outside. Oh, you must be so excited. We're working. I'm, I got a lot to do. I got I to go on stage. I got to remember all the songs. I got to get to, the, you know, uh, there's a lot to do. We're, we're you know, people, right. well, I see people uh, make comments on some of my posts. Hey, did you did you go out and check out the, now, we can't leave the building. We we, we, right. we get there, sound check. We're, I'm there. I'm working all day long up to showtime. Yeah. I don't have time. And then after that, we got to get to the next gig. So. They, a lot of people look at it as some kind of a big party situation, but it's it's a, it's a lot of work. I've seen guys on the road uh, in a fetal position crying for their mommy. Uh, oh, they're so so overloaded and overwhelmed with how difficult it is sometimes. Yeah. So it's not it's not necessarily so at all. So I I, I relate that to you know sitting around at, you know we're we're not. We're not observing the band. We're playing in the band, so we can't just say, "Hey, this is this is really fabulous." Right. I I don't recall me ever thinking that ever really because I'm I'm working. You know, yeah. I gotta I gotta sure. put put it together. And and usually once uh, you get to a point where you get to the top of any particular mountain you're climbing, uh, I don't I immediately onto the next mountain. I I, I don't uh, yeah. uh, don't. Pride is uh, the worst of the seven deadly sins. There you go. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've, no- I've noticed a lot of a lot of people from 
80s, 90s um, popularity, kind of finding a resurgence in places like Japan and just like overwhelmingly huge response um, that may not get that here as much. I know that you, you know, Mr. Big. Well, I mean, I was talking to uh, Jason Bittner from from Overkill and he was saying he's like, wow, man, we're we're just killing it over there. Um, you know, it's like they're just like, yeah, I know Jason. He's a, he's a good guy. Like reinventing some of the crowds are just like reinventing. Well, in fact, right now it's kind of not 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 anymore. <laughs> There's a, the whole uh, all the magazines that were featuring Western bands are gone, and it's not not much of a. It's more local scene mm-hmm. there now, and uh, a lot of K-pop Korean bands. Okay, uh, that, and so the okay. rock the rock scene in Japan is kind of. Uh, no, it's no, it's not really there much anymore. It it was in the eighties uh, and nineties, but they're they're funny in Japan too. They, uh, I know bands that went over there and thought, uh, "Hey, we're automatic. We're in Japan. They're going to love everything we do." And they went over and they never got asked back again. Yeah, you know, when we went over there, uh, I started my first time there was nineteen eighty eight on my own doing bass clinics. Uh, and uh, did three clinics at big venue, three thousand seaters. And uh, when we got there with Mr. Big, uh, we so we we already kind of been introduced. I used our demo tape as walk-in music for those clinics. So we 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 hit it hard. Uh, yeah. We didn't uh, expect them to like us. We we got on stage and hit it as hard or harder than ever before, and it paid off. But a lot of bands went over and uh, thought, oh, Japan, it's automatic here, right? So yeah. let's just go up there and, just, you know, uh, uh, fake it to, some, you know, lazily get through our set. And they never went back again. It was a pretty, pretty tough crowd uh, over there. So, but that was, that. it's not, uh, the scene is quite, quite different now. It's not, uh, that generation has is, is, is moved on. And yeah. So it's, it's it's a new generation there now. Did it surprise the heck out of you when 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 Mr. Big went over or Winery Dogs that that both? Um, I mean, you sold out shows in hours. I mean, from from well, what? we do we do good there. It wasn't so much yeah. a surprise. I mean, uh, very very thankful and very uh, happy about it, of course. But uh, you know, we uh, you kind of know what's coming. Mm-hmm. We kind of know when you play a particular place what what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's no easy task to get there. I mean, it's, uh, no, it's, a it's, uh, literally and figuratively, literally it's a 14 hour, 16 hour flight. And, but I, I always time my, my travel door to door. So when I leave my door, mm-hmm. how long it takes me to get to the airport, how long you get two hours to get there, two hours early on an international flight, there's security, there's all that, all that there's customs and immigration when you land. Uh, then uh, how how far is the airport from your hotel? So usually the travel time is, especially to, well, overseas, it's usually uh, 20, 24 hours solid travel before you get walk into your hotel room. Yeah, that that's got to be taxing on anybody. And, yeah, I can imagine. And I and I think with a seasoned person that they know, hey, this like you said, this is a job. This isn't a party. We're not going to get here yeah. and you know. Some of the years ago, I'm sure some of the younger minds that that hit those same places were like, 
look where we are. Let's go crazy. And then you sit back and you're like, oh, you're going to be burned yeah, out before your show. Yeah. You're yeah. going to be burned out before the third show's over. You know? So I think it's, uh, makes you, makes you stop and think more. Uh, yeah. Cause singers start to lose their voices and, uh, you know, I've never been like in a heavy party band or a drug band, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wine and beers and a couple shots, maybe, but not not a heavy. I mean, I haven't even had an aspirin since 1971. I don't do any drugs at all. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, but I do enjoy some wine or a good bourbon or something like that. But it's ne- never before a show. Right. Maybe during show about a third or half the way through when I know that uh, everything's going okay, I can reach over and have a little sip of something. But, but even then I can't, I can't perform when I'm, when I'm, when I'm not at hundred percent. And even then it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. Jeff, you look like you were going to ask your typical question there. No, no, you weren't. I was not. No, Actually, okay. I, was, I, I was looking to or, um, Mr. Big starting up again, the, the, or the tour. And okay. are you guys the farewell tour? Yeah, the farewell tour. Yeah, you're starting in January. We started already and, in uh, oh, did. Japan, Southeast Asia. We did already, and now we'll do uh, USA, Europe, South America. Thank you. Good night. Wow. Oh. How many is it going through 2024? Yeah, probably till the summer. It's a big world out okay. there. So a farewell tour is going to take a little time because we, we, we do want to play. We play all over the world with that band. And uh, I would not want to leave South America out. We have great, wonderful friends down there, mm-hmm. amazing fans, as well as in Europe, too. We already played uh, Japan, uh, China, Japan, Korea, Philippines, Thailand, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Singapore. Jakarta, Indonesia, and probably leaving a couple out too. We did that already. Wow. Oh, wow. I noticed you're coming to Rome, New York. So I think Mike and I are going to try to make the trip. Great. Yeah. Buffalo, again, didn't book the band I'm in. So Rome is as close as we're getting to it. So a lot of people are coming from Buffalo already. So I'm glad about that. I'll see some good friends. That's, it's amazing. Your own, it's like your alma mater, you know, I mean, it's that that blows me away. What are you doing? I do a Christmas show there on December eighth in Buffalo. I do it every year. I do it for free. I pay my own way and my own flight. I stay at my cousin's house or at a hotel that I pay for, and we do it to to benefit the local Buffalo music scene. Uh, music Cares, I think, is the name of the organization, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I, I, I do my best to try to contribute to what, what, what the place that I grew up in, but, uh, it, and I will, I will continue, but it doesn't seem to be too reciprocal on their part that they, they don't want to book my bands. Uh, hey, okay. We'll, we'll play some, we'll play in Rome. Yeah. We'll let, let right. when in Rome, uh, we'll, we'll let the, we'll let the people in Rome enjoy the music and, and, and yeah, make a yeah, little money themselves. I've got some dear friends there, uh, uh, the Mitchick sisters uh, used to come see me play all the time. They're wonderful girls, and uh, they'll be there. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. That's awesome. Um, do, you, do you have an opener for? Do you have an opener for um, this U.S. leg? 
I have no idea. I never know about this stuff. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's usually that's usually done I, by locals. I, you, I usually find out when they start if there is an oh, opener, and then okay, and then I, I often don't find out because that's before show and I'm I'm busy, so I don't get a chance right. to see them. Uh, for Anthony Gomes, I made a point to go out and and check him out because he because we played on his record. But unfortunately, it's just yeah. not. There's no time. I, I gotta, I gotta get right. ready for the show. And I, I play. I, I'm on this all day long, uh, warming up and practicing, and so it's uh, there's, there's a lot to do before a show. So I unfortunately I don't get to see the opening act. Actually, as soon as the opening act starts, I oh, that's my cue to get dressed and get ready. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not sure who they were, but they <laughs> sounded okay. <laughs> yeah, we've had some great ones and wonderful people and. If I do get a chance to hear them, I, I certainly uh, let it be known how much I enjoyed it. But uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of work involved. <laughs> Has there been any moments uh, playing throughout your career that have stood out to just be just one of the funny stories that maybe the people listening would never have known without being told that something might have gone awry or some kind of funny little incident? Uh, well, the UFO tour was quite... Uh, it was uh, after I got home from the UFO tour in 1983. I went to the movies and saw Spinal Tap, and it wasn't <laughs> oh. funny. It was not funny. Oh, I didn't laugh once because I just lived exactly what's going on there. <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking, "Is this supposed to be funny?" And later on, I, I it's hilarious, and I like the movie. But it was a, it was a, it was a tough, tough situation. They were kind of in a bad state then, and. Uh, we played some amazing places. Everywhere we played, some historical huge event was happening. Our first show was in Gdansk, Poland, the night that Lech Walesa got out of prison. And it was still under Soviet rule. And there were tanks and uh, military, Soviet military everywhere. And uh, we, of course, you couldn't even talk about Solidarnosc which was the uh, Polish word for solidarity, that union that they were trying to create, which began the fall of the Soviet empire, the communist empire. Uh, So it was quite a historical situation. So we were playing and the kids were jammed up to the front of the stage. The whole stage was actually moving because there were so many people. And uh, some little kid was right in front, looked at me, now, at various times, these guards with white sticks, and I remember seeing them on the footage about Gdansk on the news, because they were out, any, anybody was rioting, they had these cops with these long white sticks beating the crap out of people. So they were at the show, and they would randomly wade into the crowd, swinging, swinging the stick. I think, what the fuck is going on here? Unbelievable. Right. So some little kid is jammed uh, 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 in the front of the uh, auditorium, and I look down at him, he holds up, Pinned for Solidarnosc, totally illegal. You go go right to jail if they caught you. Oh, right. you hold it up, and I go. And I said, for me, but yeah. So I, I looked around. I went and grabbed the pin from. Ran back to my crew guys. Hang on to this. Put it in your pocket. And uh, I thought I lost it because when I got home, I told my dad about it. I said, Dad, check this out. It's a pin. He goes, Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to oh. give it to him. I could say, Oh no. Okay. So when he passed away, uh, my brother went and cleaned up. Did you find a little pin? He goes, oh, yes. I'll let it go. I have that back. Okay. So I still got it to this day. And I remember <laughs> telling that story. We just played in Poland with uh, the winery dogs. An amazing 
amazing. The Polish people are just so great. And Poland is just booming. It's so fantastic. Uh, uh, I told that story uh, to a couple of friends there and they were, they were, they were quite taken with it because that was a turning point for their country completely. Uh, after that, they shook off uh, all the remaining World War II uh, uh, problems and, and boomed quite, quite amazingly. Right. Uh, amazing people. Warsaw is just a boom city and it's beautiful and the people are great and the food is amazing. So that was, uh, but that was, that was on that UFO tour that that happened. Then we played in um, Lyon, France, the day they brought Klaus Barbie, the Nazi butcher of Lyon, to trial. Right. And we're driving along, and we get stopped by the uh, uh, military police so their, their little convoy could go to the courthouse so Klaus Barbie could be tried for his Nazi war crimes. Pretty amazing. Then we played in Lisbon, Portugal, on the day that Portugal was considering leaving NATO, which is a big deal then. Oh, yeah. And there were, there were jets flying over our hotel. And it's amazing that you could be in a military and be shooting and have a jet fly over. And at that point, just don't go, I quit. I'm done. <laughs> just a jet alone. No bullets, no bombs flying over low over our hotel was it was overwhelming. Sure. It was, it was incredible. Then we played in Italy. What happened there? Oh, uh, the Killers of Aldo Moro. I think it was a U.S. Uh, 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 representative in Europe. I forgot the uh, at the embassy, some uh, consulate or whatever. Some guy Aldo Moro. I forgot the whole historical story. But the guys that killed him were being brought to trial. Again, uh, uh, when when we were there, I think it might have been Rome. We played a couple of cities, Milan, Rome, and another one in Italy. Uh, so so we, we again we got stopped at the motorcade for him going to the, to trial. So everywhere we went, some historical <laughs> thing was happening. Uh, and uh, but the shows were were pretty good. We we, we had a blast. I love those songs. I love those guys. Playing Doctor Doctor and Love to Love and. Uh, Oh, just some great songs. Uh, but uh, the singer, uh, Phil uh, Mogg, who was a great singer, a wonderful guy, he was having a rough time and uh, a little bit, uh, went overboard a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the other guys mm -hmm. in the band were kind of upset about him. And at one point, he fell off the front of the stage. So you could see this microphone cord go right to the edge of the stage and then go. <laughs> and I looked up to the drummer, Andy Parker, and I go, Phil! Bill fell off the stage and he's playing. He's so, so pissed off. They can keep him. <laughs> <laughs> he was so pissed off. And then the last, the most uh, notable, uh, we were playing in Athens, Greece. Huge crowd. Unbelievable. And uh, I'm, and people started throwing shit because Phil was really out of it. And uh, they threw a couple fireworks. Like an M80 came up on stage. You bam, blew up. And it's dangerous. We kept going. We kept playing. So I'm back kind of by my amp. I'll be back here, you guys. <laughs> Before, I was talking about moving around. That's yeah. It's a great thing to move around. So uh, Phil comes back to me. He's pretty hammered. And he goes, Billy, I think if we come to the front of the stage, we can get them. Meaning we can really get the audience uh, do do good. Go, okay. So I came up. 
the front of stage with Phil and I'm playing away. And all of a sudden, bang, explosion. And I thought I got hit with an M80 in the head. Oh. And, uh, so I didn't stop playing. <laughs> I kept playing. And, the, and I ran over to the side of the stage and the crew guys were there with a flashlight. Uh, somebody had, I thought initially it was a rock, but somebody had taken a big Greek beer can. They were like a 16 ounce all steel can before aluminum. Wow. Can, and crushed it down to the size of a hockey puck and threw it and it hit me in the head. Oh. So I walked to the side of the stage and the crew guys said, come here, come here, come here with the flashlight. And I said to them, am I bleeding? And they look at each other and go, should we tell them? Because <laughs> there was blood out No, just a little. And, uh, so uh, we, I, I, I was still playing while, while we're doing that. We'll wipe that off. It's okay. I'm, I'm cool. It's all right. I went back and finished the show. But that was uh, that. Was that. Wow. So I don't think Very they were cool. actually aiming for me, but uh, but I I got hit. Yeah, they were so aiming for it. your singer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Now, now I know why you have to serpentine on stage all the time, just in case. Well, yeah. first no one's throwing anything at me other than panties. You post some of them are kind of uh, shallow hell size. <laughs> so you got to put put your hands in front, left and right. Oh, I get it now. There's always the one in the middle. Uh, you know, you yep. posted something on your on your page um, that was just this fan that just screamed like like you were the Beatles coming out, and I just saw the look on your face where you just you had this grin like didn't see that coming, you know. And I think you were just like it overwhelmed me. And it's great to see that people still do it. <laughs> oh, I think that was in the Philippines. The Philippines they are a great audience. They sing every song, right? And they, the Philippines is known for singers. The guy from Journey is a Filipino. Exactly, right. Singers, what they do. Uh, our first time we played there, uh, me and another guy from the band were at the hotel bar, which was pretty empty, except for a table full of very drunk Germans. And and uh, there was a, a little stage, tiny little stage, maybe uh, six by eight or something but they had a whole giant band up there with drummer and they're all crammed up there three girls singing a horn section right and they were, they were great they were really good so uh we're just sitting watching them and hanging out and having a drink and uh they said any requests and i'd be smart ass me i said <laughs> mr oh, boy whitney houston the greatest love <laughs> stage clears and one girl steps up to the mic knocked it out of the park no oh wow I, we had tears in our that's great she killed it amazing so the end of the set and we went back and she was there with her mom i said your daughter is just a, what a talent holy god she was she kicked that so the filipinos they they do they do some singing and uh we would play they would sing the, the guitar solos they do that in brazil too right particular song they'll, they'll sing the solo the notes of the solo the guitar player. Yep. <laughs> uh, so we, we've been fortunate to have some very enthusiastic uh, audiences through the years. Uh, and, and, and it happens everywhere. I mean, it happens in Oklahoma. It happens in uh, uh, Bulgaria. It happens in Warsaw or Newcastle, England. And uh, so we're, it's, it's a it, pretty, pretty uh, uh, 
happy about uh, the kindness people have shown us. What's the biggest crowd you've played for? 100,000 people on the beach in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Jack's Beach. We played, uh, it was the a local band, the Lemonheads, Henry Rollins, mm-hmm. and Mr. Big. That was the lineup on the beach, Sao Paulo. So uh, we got there early, and we did a quick sound check, and we hanging out in the dressing room waiting, and the first band went on. We heard them. I went out and looked for a minute, and I said, it's a big crowd here. I told the guys, they're pretty big. Oh, amazing. Lemonheads went on, and we'll check out it again. It's, it's bigger. It's, it's pretty it's pretty huge. You should go out and look at it. Holy cow, there's a lot of people there. Henry Rollins went up. That show was notable for him. So if you see uh, uh, photos of him playing live, and he's got a lot of blood on him, they started the show, and he ran out, and he jumped and kicked his knee up and hit himself in the <laughs> nose with his knee and was pouring oh, wow. his nose for the whole thing but it didn't didn't phase him he he's a, he's a pretty amazing artist too i actually like him quite a bit and then uh now it was uh mr big we didn't know but at the time they were using a couple of our songs and the music in the soap operas on daytime television so everybody knew who we were and everybody knew the songs right so and we had no idea we just went out there and thought uh, Wonder, wonder who all the people are here for. <laughs> it was us. We had no idea. No. And so we uh, got up there and the place went berserk. It was unreal. And it was one of those shows where the audience was just so hot and so great that, you know, you could break your leg and still keep playing. It would just be really pushed. Just so enthusiastic. That energy you get from a crowd was, was amazing. So now out in the audience, it was getting out of control because there were so many people. Uh, there's bonfires going out there and people <laughs> dancing around and we could see, and you could see for a mile, it was just people, an ocean of people. And it's starting to get dark. And uh, uh, there, there was a whole bunch of security guys and cops in front of us on a little barricade in front of us. <clears throat> get near the end of the set, they go, they're gone. <laughs> and so we're out there by ourselves thinking, if something, oh, goes, wow. if something goes wrong, this could be really... This could be deadly, right. literally. Sure. So we're playing and getting near the end of the set, and you know, we're gonna, we did to be with you. The place went out of their minds, and uh, I noticed a whole bunch of trucks. It was they. It was the military. They sent the army in to break up the crowd. <laughs> it was that big. So they. Oh wow! So we we that's, and we, that's it, crazy. That was great, and uh, that was the biggest uh, the biggest crowd. It was pretty cool. That's that's awesome. You know, it's wow. it's it's funny when I hear the same. You know, I've asked that question to a couple people, and I think uh, Ben Morrow, uh, who we had on the show, who's from Syracuse originally, um, played with with Lionel Richie for twenty years, and he said a similar incident where he played a, a show in in uh, in England, and he just he felt when he looked out and saw a sea of faces out there, and and he. And he raised his hands over his head to clap, and he just sees, you know, 100,000 or more people clapping along with him. He was like, you just, you just, it's a, such a surreal moment that no matter how many shows you've played, when you, when that, something like that happens, it just impacts you for life. And it sounds like it did the same uh, for that show down there. So that's pretty cool to hear um, that you've had a similar, Very. you know, not, not everybody can say that. <laughs> you know, I think. Uh, Jeff and I, you know, our biggest moment was a 
a show of what five thousand people, and we thought we thought we were on top of the world uh, for a That's show. That's cool. We're gonna make it. <laughs> well, I played shows in front of forty people that were a riot. Yeah, you know, or even less. Again, like I said earlier, cross size doesn't matter, but there's an energy you get from. Uh, situations like that that is pretty awesome yeah that's cool yes. i've got so the only thing i've got left to, to i just need to know having uh any type of a that that uh fanboy moment we've talked about that, that you you know i mean right. obviously a, a playing a show like that is just like you know but is there any any other artists that you've met worked with doesn't even have to be an artist i mean uh, we've had people say that they played for the queen of england or played for the president of the united states or well our last show in japan the commandant of the uss ronald reagan came to the show and i invited him backstage and i got to meet him that's cool He's stationed in japan right now that was cool my uncle was the commandant of the united states coast guard in the 60s and so i mentioned that to him and I think he knew who he was too. It was pretty cool, right? So that I, was. I think. I think the guy is also from New York State because he was friends with. Uh, he got in touch with me through Fred Corey, who played drums in Cinderella. Yeah, who was from uh, downstate Cortland area, I think Binghamton. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned wow. him because I have the challenge coin for the commandant of the Ronald Reagan. Uh, yeah, I might. I do too. My my cousin uh, just retired from the navy. He spent most of his life uh, on the Mount Pillar uh, nuke sub, and uh, but just so happened to have that challenge coin, and uh, I got it in the mail, and I was like, "Wow, the Ronald Reagan! This is like this is big stuff." It's you know the commandant's challenge coin. So yeah, I hold that hold that close to the heart, you know, because. You know, if you're in a bar and they're going to pull a challenge coin out, that that's a pretty important one. You know, yeah, pretty <laughs> so, cool. That's awesome. Um, I mean, we could we could go on and on. There's so much great stuff. I mean, we haven't even touched on on some of the things that I'm no. sure you've been been. Your resume is just a, such a great one, and I can't I resume. <laughs> right, you well, resume. You resume. Keep resuming. Um, yes. I'll give you the recite. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, and 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 I'm gonna I'll let you let you get on with your day, but uh, yep. even though it's late, but David Lee Roth played with, did some stuff with him. Um, some people say it was it's a difficult time. Some people say it's not. It's a great time, you know. And I see even some controversy now with the uh, the reunion type tour going on. How how was it to work with David? That's an illegal question. Okay, right. well then we'll move on. <laughs> we will. No move. reason to say it. Uh, uh, just uh, it was forty, almost forty. No, 80, 85, 38 years ago. I just been you know I, I I'm not being a smart ass, but I just no. at some point I think you know I've I've told that story so many times in so many places that, that just that's at this point, go, let's we can move on yeah that's all good that's all yeah, good. absolutely besides besides playing in rome uh coming up i mean uh the farewell tour for mr big 
winery dogs. Are we going to see something upstate New York from the, from, from that? Project? Well, we finished our tour and uh, I'm going to be busy with Mr. Big. Richie's got his thing. Mike's got his thing. So we're going to reconnect uh, at a point in the future and get back to work with that. But uh, we're all, you know, we all have a lot of things that we're doing yeah. uh, other than the winery. Yes. But that's, that's really one of my favorite uh, bands I've ever been involved with at all. It's just really a, a riot to play in that. So uh, we'll, we'll be we'll, to be uh, continued uh, at a later date. Yeah. Well, nice. I'll tell you, seeing Mike, seeing Mike uh, go back with, with some, you know, the, the, the other project back again is uh, kind of cool to see too. So um, who knows, we might be able to convince Mike to come on the show or not, but uh, he's another, you know, idol of mine. So you never know. <laughs> I, I know everyone's. That's right. That's right. Um, All good. Billy, I, I, I again, I've, I've said it a number of times. I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're coming on the show. Um, my pleasure. Thanks I, for having me. And, and, you know, we, it, it was, it's been a long road getting you here and I know you've been so busy and just to carve out a day like this, um, just meant the, meant the world to me. So, sure. Um, really, truly appreciated. Yeah, my pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, it's totally cool. Yeah, I had a, uh, I recorded today, and then uh, there was a a wet spot on the ceiling of my garage, so we had a leak. So we had a, oh, no. a guy here with a camera and looking for where it was, and so. The, the, well, listen, the, it's better. It's better than you know, two three feet of snow, right? Well, no, two three feet of snow would be outside. This is on the inside leaking. <laughs> yeah. Well, two, three, feet. I was there. I was in Buffalo for the blizzard of '77, mm. and uh, it would that was uh, I don't know how many people died in that, but a lot. And uh, right in the middle of it, I remember walking down the street. I just wanted to be in the blizzard, and cars were pulling over. Are like, you okay? You need a ride? I'm fine. I'm enjoying the blizzard. But yeah. I remember, I remember as a kid going to school. I walked to school every day and pushing snow with my chest to get to the corner. And wow. I had a, a lot of snow uh, memories, but it was great. Uh, growing up in Buffalo, it was fantastic. In the Western New York area, it's a, it was a, just a wonderful place and incredible memories back then. Uh, what was the club in Rome, New York? I know there was a club there back in the day. Do you guys recall? I, I don't. I'd be lying if I said I'd I even don't remote. either. I, exactly. There's so many places have changed over so many times. Um, yeah, no, no, there's no original club left in Buffalo that I play at, not, not even one. And and we will say, it, and, and you mentioned it when we were talking earlier before the show started uh, recording, but, you know, the Lost Horizon's been here for years and, and is still going strong today, even oh, after, uh, you know. And we, have a, the pole. we have a picture. Uh, no, <laughs> we have the pole, a, Billy, the pole is gone. It's gone. Whoa. Yeah. You're kidding. Now, there's news. Yeah. They, wow. they, yeah the, the pole there was also the slide in and poor house west yes 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 oh my god yeah the slide Played in slide in yeah. uh, was owned by uh dave buno and uh jeff i don't know if you even knew that but dave went on to own a place uh out in brewerton here and jeff played there numbers of number of times uh so dave is still uh he's out of the, the club yeah. business finally but he's still around yeah. hanging out and uh Right now, that yeah, was that uh, was a great place. We had the throughway uh, circuit. We'd be Buffalo, Batavia, Rochester, Syracuse, 
and then Albany. Albany had a lot of clubs. So Red oh. straight across New York State. Buffalo had like a zillion clubs. Batavia had a place called the Primitive Scene, oddly. Uh, and then Rochester had the Penny Arcade. Yes. Uh, Orange Monkey, yeah. Riverboat, uh, three or four other. And then uh, Syracuse, of course, uh, Lost Horizon. Uh, there was, was it Yellow Balloon also? Yellow Balloon was uh, next Yellow door. Uh, well, yeah, Yellow Balloon was the Lost Horizon. Okay, right. Then uh, Albany had uh, Dudley Do Rights, Allen's Beef and Brew. Uh, there was a Tri City area, Troy Schenectady, Albany. Yes. And they had a lot of clubs there. We opened up for Pat Travers there. And we played wow. the area a lot. So we had a huge, uh, wonderful group of fans there. So we go to open up for Pat Travers. We go, the show starts and everybody runs up from their seats to the front because we knew them all. They were all our, our friends. Go, all right, tell us, open up. Our... And they <laughs> they, pulled the, they cut the power on us. Really? Unplugged, unplugged us. What the... A couple songs. Wow. Out there. They, didn't, they didn't want us uh, scoring as an opening act. So that was when I... That's just dumb. <laughs> Catch Harris, snorting whiskey and drinking cocaine. Well, I don't think he even probably knew about it. it was some crew guy or road manager? Right. They pulled the plug yeah. on us because we, the, the crowd was enjoying us too much. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back then I think uh, probably probably uh, DMR was the one doing a lot of that booking for the throwaway gigs. Uh, Dave Say Resnick. Again. Dave Resnick uh, might have had a lot to do with that because he was doing a lot of the booking for up and down the throwaway. Um. I remember who, what productions it was. It was in the. Uh, oh, we also we also did with a uh, down the Mid Hudson Civic Center, with Blue Oyster Cult. We opened for them there. One time, kind yeah, of that, a little salt. Well, the, you know that the uh, Albany Saratoga. I mean, Saratoga's got such a number of, of venues to play uh, in Albany yeah. now. So up and down that whole Northway. Um, a lot of lot of great music coming out of there still, um, and you know Syracuse is uh, like you said we still have the loss, but we still have a couple other venues. I mean, you know, I don't know if I think Mister Big would probably be a little too big for some of these clubs, but uh, you know, yeah. if, you, if you ever need to play here, you know, we can we can hook you up with a venue. <laughs> All right, <laughs> going through, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'll be a little bit smaller crowd than uh, you know on a beach somewhere with a hundred thousand people, but. Um, we we would love to love to come see a play in. Uh, yeah, I hope you can. I hope you can. Let me know. Yeah, I'll, I'll I, uh, we'll reach out to you. I get in touch uh, around that time. Yes, sure. definitely. Yeah, well, definitely. I'm excited to be playing in the area again. A lot of people already are coming from Buffalo. I've heard from a lot of people on social media and email that the bus loads of people will be coming in. So that's good. So for, for the people listening at home, Rome <laughs> Capital Theater, February 10th to see Mr. Big on their farewell tour. We want to make sure that uh, you reach out if you need help getting uh, to where to go for the tickets. You know, and, you know, and if they have to, you know, if they over oversell, then maybe we can convince them to do two nights. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. you go. There you go. I'd be, I'd be happy to. Sell, why, why not? Sell out two shows. That's all. Yeah. So. Yeah, we just did, uh, we did, we sold out uh, our first Tokyo show, so they added another show in front of all the others because you can't 
sometimes it depends on what's booked already. Right. You can't add a date, or if there's another date booked, you can't blow that one off to add to add one. Right. So they actually put another show out front for our Tokyo uh, uh, shows uh, with the Winery Dogs. We 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 had a just a, a wonderful time there. I'm still a little jet lagged, so I'm a little incoherent. I apologize. Well, that's all right. You, I'm not sneaking a drink down there on the side. I, I, I even said to Jeff, I said, "Well, geez, he only got back a couple days ago from from everything." So, they, they say it should be yeah. one one day recovery for every time zone, oh, and it's six fourteen. <laughs> oh, geez, really? Fourteen hours. Wow. So, uh, so, uh, but I've never abided by that. But that, even from the early days, I started instead of uh, fighting the jet lag. If it's three o'clock mm-hmm. in the afternoon and I'm tired, just go to sleep. I did that today. And that's yeah. why I was late for you guys. I apologize. I go. Well, I'll just lay down for a few minutes before the interview, and then I check my phone. No, that's all right. I, I said to Jeff, I go. That's it. I said if he, I, I said hopefully we'll be able to do this, and and he you know doesn't blow us off. But then we'll have to say, well, that's all right. We just want to be backstage for the Rome Capital Theater show. Uh, and that's it. That, that's a nice payback, you know. For sorry, I was late. You know? <laughs> kidding. I'm totally. Yeah. I'm totally half-heartedly kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, I, I know a hint. I know a hint when I hear one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's all right. Uh, again, that's good. Thanks for being on the hey, show. Alan. We would. My we, pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. I hope you don't get snowed in. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. I'm already there. Yeah, well, that's all right. I work, I work from uh, from home for the uh, for the real job, and uh, so it's all right. We're I, I'll just make phone calls tomorrow. I'm not driving anywhere. Right so, there you go. Yeah, be safe. All but, right. Well, good deal. Thanks for having me on. Uh, stay in touch. I hope I see you guys when we Mr. Big Place in Rome. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And uh, if you're ever promoting anything or you ever want any anything uh, thrown out there, just shoot me a message and say, Hey Mike, mention this on the, on the show and, and we'll do it for you. We, we I appreciate it. Yeah. We, we can't thank yeah. you enough. So there you go, guys. Billy. All right, I enjoyed yeah. talking with you both. Uh, see you soon. Nice. And to all your watchers and listeners, wishing you all the best and have a great holiday too. You too, sir. Thank you, you so well, much Bill. again. All right. All right, man. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, Billy. Right. There you Bye. go. There you go, Jeffrey. There it is. I'm starting the music Done. now. I'm starting. That's the end point, right? That's it. That's the end. <laughs> that is it. Okay, you guys. Thanks a million. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Billy. Be in touch, and I'll see you around. Have a great holiday. You too, sir. See you ya. as well. Bye bye. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. You've been listening to the good. The band. You're gonna jump in and make sure you say this on time. You want to try it again? The good. The ugly, I'm Big Papa. (laughs) And I'm Jeff. Just frickin' Jeff. From home. Just Jeff, remote from home. What the hell. What a great show. Thank you again, Billy, for uh, Billy Sheehan for being on the show. Want to thank Auk Medical Supply for being a sponsor. Sharky's Event Center. GJ Life's a Beach. Good Nature Brewing Company. Uncle Jimmy's Local Live Music. The Print Shop Underground. Toffee Break Toffee. And of course, Jeff, your favorite... Oh, my, my absolute favorite, Snarky Productions. You got to thank Snarky Productions. <laughs> but, 
All right, guys. We will. Uh, we'll see you next week. We've got big shows next week coming up. I'm not even going to tell you who, but we can't wait to have uh, no. have you back on. Be good to each other. Thank you for listening, and send us a message if you got anybody you want to see. Peace. <laughs>